You are listening to Intersections with Phil Allen Jr., engaging the issues that matter at the intersection of race, culture, and theology. I have been blessed to have crossed paths with many amazing people over the years whom I have the privilege of calling friends, and I don't use that term friend lightly. I'm honored to welcome to the show today my friend, LaShonda Coleman, soon to be Dr. LaShonda Coleman. She's a licensed clinical social worker, a registered yoga instructor, and most importantly, a woman of God. You will certainly hear her passion for bringing healing and restoration to people in this conversation. So sit back and be empowered by what she has to offer. LaShonda, how you doing, my friend? Welcome to Intersections. I'm glad you could make it. I'm excited for this conversation. I want people to learn from you. I want them to, to just hear the things I hear when we have our conversations. And that's just basically what we're going to do. We're just going to do what we do. Just talk, have a conversation, and just unpack some things. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Phil. So glad to be here. And yes, let's just do what we do. <laughs> so as we start, you know, every week, every time I do a podcast, first thing I want to do is I want people to know who you are. I want people to know a little bit about you uh, as much as you're willing to share. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What are your passions? Tell us about your family, you know, all the good stuff, all the juicy stuff. Happy to, happy to. And then you can buy the book. Uh, <laughs> so um, I am from, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles County. And I say county because I'm a Valley girl and there is a clear line there. Um, so do you I'm, say like all the time? Like, like? You know, I don't. That's the stereotype, Phil. See? <laughs> you know, hold on, hold on. You know, when I came to LA 19 years ago, I was looking for that. I was like, I want to hear if this Valley Girl thing is real. And it's not really. It was, it was a real thing. I'm not going to lie. It was a real thing. Okay. It persists. I see, I hear it. Um, but but no, I, I did have that. Oh, so you're you're from the valley. It's like the other side of the hill. Uh -huh. And so I own it. I am LaShonda from the valley. And um, I I love uh, my community. I'm from San Fernando Valley in, in uh, particular. And um, yeah, I, I'm born and raised here. I had an opportunity to live on the East Coast um, during my undergraduate studies for uh, just about a year. And I really am grateful for that experienced because it's so different mm -hmm. than being born and raised in California. The older that I, I, I got, I realized a lot of folks were not born and raised in LA. Like folks come to California. Yes. Um, when I was younger, it seems like everyone's from LA. So, you know, in my undergraduate studies, when I was able to live in New Jersey, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. There's just a richness of culture and diversity and just all, you know, integrated is how I experienced it. Um, and I made really meaningful relationships that continue to be a significant part of my life today. So yes, from the Valley, but um, with that experience, it's helped to um, just expand my reach just, just nationally and in, in where I can go and implant myself. So um, you asked about my passions. I am passionate about life. I am passionate about life and, and people. Um, I am passionate about education. I love learning and I love teaching. 
and facilitating. Mm. So everything having to do with education and exposing folks to new things, different ways of thinking and being, relating to themselves and others excites me and um, is a part, I, I believe strong is a part of my purpose um, just here on earth in my life. Um, so I'm very passionate about that. I'm passionate about music. Um, I am not an artist. I I, um, I don't have a record label, but I can sing. I love to sing and dance. I love music um, just as a form of art um, that really I'm very passionate about that. And um, and my faith, I'm very passionate about my faith and my family. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Now, you're a social worker and your Ph.D. research is in social work as well, right? Um, tell, I want you to tell us about the work that you do. Um, oftentimes we ask, how does, how does our work affect others? Like how does what you do affect other people? But as you tell us about your work, I also want you to share how your work affects you Mm. because you just said you're passionate about people, right? Yeah. So you're engaging especially as a social worker, you're engaging with people and the things that are impacting their lives, things that they're going through. So it has to have an effect on, on you as well. Right. It's almost like being a a pastor, being a shepherd, being a teacher. So tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about what what you do, um, your, your focuses and, um, and how does that work affect you? Yes, that's so good. Um, I am a, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and, uh, in, in training, I studied community organizing, planning and administration, and um, I had a foundation of clinical work as a social worker. Um, my in- initial sort of career after my master's was really focused at um, community work, organizing, um, planning, developing programs, evaluating programs, um, and so reaching people, affecting people um, in groups right, through policy and, and change and, and community that way. And then I, I really developed a love for the clinical piece of my degree. And so I pursued my license and um, later developed, um, you know, opened my own, my private practice, which I continue to, to have today, I'm working to provide more clinical, direct clinical services, psychotherapy. And so I'm currently a candidate for my um, uh, PhD in, in, clinical social work um, and and psychotherapy. And my focus is really illuminating the lived experiences of black students at predominantly white institutions and really centering their expressions of of resilience. Um, When I think about, um, as I share my passion is life and people and being that person who's been at predominantly white institutions and just understanding um, all that it takes to make it through. I believe that there is such a richness in the lived experiences of our uh, black students um, like myself that can really help to further um, the intentions around inclusion, diversity and belonging. Um, I also, within my research, I'm looking at protective factors that can help Um, our students, our Black students to persist, um, whether it be financial aid and really understanding how to navigate that um, to alleviate some of that burden so that they can really focus more meaningfully on their their studies. 
um, or having mentors, um, being connected with those who can mentor them and help uh, bring them through. And then also we know that through that mentoring, it creates opportunities after you get your degree, right? Yeah. Those internships and, and how do you do that? The financial aid, for example, goes with it so directly because if I'm having to work to survive, to stay in college, I don't have the same internship opportunities. They're going to lead to um, career opportunities. Yeah. It's going to look a little bit different. And so I think there's something amazing when we see um, in this case, it can be many students, but I'm focusing on black students, mm -hmm. um, but how they're, how they're navigating both and so working and, and this is not to say all black students have this experience it, it's diverse there's diversity there mm -hmm. but from my own lived experience i worked through college from undergrad through my masters and i also pursued internships recognizing the importance of relationships and how that would 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 be important to my career and and what i would do later in life and it was hard it was hard there were days i was sleeping in the library days where I was showering in the gym um, to make it through. And there's something about that experience, so much about that experience that informs my work today when mm. I'm working with students. And I'm not just telling them that, you know, this too will pass and, you know, just bounce back. No, there's a richness to what I'm sharing because I've actually lived through that. Yes, Their life experience doesn't have to mimic mine, but I share my life experience as an example of how one can make it through. And so I'm just curious about that um, as it relates to others and students um, currently, you know, they persisted through um, when we talk about racial injustice and, and how they've continued to persist. And then lastly, looking at how um, acts of resistance, um, how that is actually, to me, um, an expression of resilience. Right. Absolutely. So an act of resistance is I must speak up and say something about X thing in order to continue to do life here, to uh, get have my needs met. I am a student here, too, and 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 I belong here and I must speak up and speak out about the microaggressions or, um, you know, what's happening where where there's this sense of being excluded from these institutions. And so uh, moving away from. Uh, where it's been demonized and criticized and saying, um, wow, let's look at this as a protective factor and as a factor that helps um, in particular these students, I'm looking at black students um, to persist in these institutions. Uh, many of which, you know, weren't built and made with, with them in mind. And so um, I believe it's incredibly um, important work and it's important to center their voices. So that's what I've um, dedicated my research to. It's great stuff. I have a, a follow-up question. In, in listening, in hearing you talk about what you went through in undergrad and grad school, and you're still working, you're still a student, essentially. Yes. Have things changed for you in terms of now that you're doing the work, now that you're researching, and there, there's, a, there's a focus on helping other students, is there a different perspective for you now going through? Do you do you still feel the same weight of having to work and be a student? Um, is it have you developed the muscles to where you're stronger going through it this time? 
or mm-hmm. has the doctoral work. That stuff is that's that's work. We we know that that's work. That's work. So it's a whole nother level yeah. of it. Um, how how is it going through now in this season? Um, as you're pouring out more and more with your practice, you're pouring out more and more to others and still working towards this, um, this degree. Oh, that's, that's, I really appreciate that question. You got me over here thinking, you know, it, it, it's the, it's similar. It's a similar experience. It's just at a different level. It's a different uh, developmental stage of my life. Mm -hmm. But when I um, consider how now I have a family, I have four beautiful children, one who we just settled over at Howard University. HBCU? Uh, yes. And uh, HU, you know. Well, Gotta put I, that I, in I there. I ain't going that far. No, come on, come on. You got... I'm an Aggie. I'm an Aggie. I, I, I'm going to go that far. I'll I'm give... going to go that far. <laughs> I'm going to go that far. I'll give you an Aggie pride. I'll give we you could that. coexist. We, we oh we, we love each other we love each other yeah that's right we and love so each other much love. so much love so much <laughs> all love. in fun all in fun yeah absolutely yeah even now um being responsible to my family to myself to my husband um to my friends uh, to my work it's this when I talk about resilience and health and wellness it's important to me it's a constant sort of of checking in with myself um, to ensure that there's integrity. What I'm offering, am I applying to my life? And sometimes I get it wrong, right? But the integrity comes by acknowledging that and adjusting. So for example, um, I have had folks who started this PhD journey at the same time that I have, and they're they're finished, they're done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, you know, for me, I'm, I'm so happy for them. They've worked so hard. And I've noted that in some ways, maybe they could take a year off. They could afford financially to take a year off and just really focus on their study. Um, Maybe they made adjustments with their budget in a way to accommodate that. Whereas I, I have done what I could do, but it's not that. I haven't taken a year off to only write. That's just not my story. That's not my life. And, and that's okay. Um, but what that means for me and how I persist is being in these spaces where, um, again, being you know one of the only Black students in, in my program, um, being around folks very affluent who could decide to take a, you know, the time off and, and, and focus and just acknowledging that, that that's different than my experience and that's okay, that what's important is that I'm taking care of my body. If I need to, uh, if it's gonna take me a couple of more years, then that's okay. Um, but that's helped me. That's helped me to persist is um, not being in competition with lives that are so different than my own. And just not even being in competition, but considering to focus on this work that is incredibly important to me and move it forward. And I've been able to, while it's taken me longer to complete my, my degree, I've developed programs here and now because the need was now. Yeah. And it's not the three letters after my name. It's the research, the knowledge, the wisdom that I value. And right here and now I have tools in my hands that I've been able to uh, use. And it's slow. I've chosen to slow down a bit to actually use the tools to help people in my community today without the three letters behind my name, but to truly create spaces of healing during um, COVID 
impacted where so many people were impacted by the murder of George Floyd and so many others and taking the knowledge that I have and creating heal, you know, helping to facilitate healing spaces. Um, that's what I've chosen. And, and, I, and so that has looked different maybe than other people around me. And the reason why I bring it up now is because through that process, it has been incredibly important for me to apply some of the tools that I offer, time management, um, pausing to rest, um, meditation, being mindful, being aware of the here and now as a strategy to promote resilience, um, diet and nutrition, exercise and movement. These are things that I'm offering, but it's also absolutely necessary for my life right now. Absolutely. As I continue to persist um, with my degree completion, raising my children alongside my husband, um, being a wife and friend to my husband, being a, a daughter to my mother and caring for her well, um, being a good friend to my friends, like all of those things matter. And so learning how to manage all of that, those are tools that I offer, but I also need in my life. So maybe that's what's different is naming those tools, um, similar experience undergrad, but I have tools that I put, uh, that I name, that I can name, that I'm more mindfully aware of how I must use these tools to persist. And that I want to also share this as I move along. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, for, for the listener who heard you say, checking in with myself, what does that look like in a, in a practical sense? And you may have, you may have unpacked that already and maybe I missed it, but what does that look like to check in with yourself for you? Mm -hmm. Is it just yeah, reflecting probably. on where you are? Is it just, what does that, what does that, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, thank you for asking for me, checking in with myself is literally like pausing and just noticing my feet on the ground. Um, noticing the sensations in my body. Am I feeling stiff? Am I feeling tight? Am I aching in my body? Because that's information. That's information. Maybe I'm doing way too much and I need to um, take some things off my plate. I need to ask for help. I need to delegate, right? So checking in with myself, checking in with myself to have integrity. Um, am I eating? Am I making wise choices around nutrition? Am I... Um, engaging with those uh, relationships that are important to my life. Um, so pausing to check in with myself, to, to ask like, when is the last time that I talked to my sister? When's the last time that I, you know, um, just sat with my child and just listened to, to my children, just talk about whatever it is they want to talk about and um, just being accountable to that. So it can literally look like me pausing and just asking myself those questions. Um, checking in with myself is also um, sometimes just in prayer. My faith, like I said, is incredibly important to me. And so um, through prayer and meditation and just quiet time or through praise and worship when I'm, when I'm in that space, um, there is a, such an opportunity to check in with myself and kind of notice what's going on. Um, so that, that can also look like checking in with myself. And then I'll say lastly, listening to the folks around me that love me mm. like there's information there they listening and being willing to humble myself to listen when someone's like you you know you seem pretty tired or uh or you seem like you have a lot of energy whatever that is it's not always just exhaustion it's joy and like you know 
encouragement on the journey. And so just checking in with myself, like am I, um, what, a, what I am doing at any given time, does it have purpose? Does it have meaning? Um, is it for me or is it for someone else? Like checking in with myself, what's motivating? Whatever action is going on in that moment, that also is an important part of checking in with myself because it, it puts um, life into perspective mm. for me. I think that there's so many things that calls for my attention and maybe that applies to others that just checking in with myself and asking, what am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this in align with my values, with, with my passion, with my intentions and my gifts? Um, is this an opportunity to learn more? Just being mindfully aware and not kind of like aimlessly moving through life. Yeah. Um, that's how I check in with myself. That's good. That's good. You know, I just posted on social media uh, some lessons I learned from running and what I would say to my younger self. Every birthday, just had a birthday, every birthday I reflect on my life and I, I start looking through baby pictures and pictures when, I, pictures when I was young. And what would I say to that kid if I supernaturally could run into the old me and, and counsel, give advice, mentor. And a lot of what you shared sounded like some things I learned on my run, my last run. And one of it, one of them was don't be too eager or too afraid to pace yourself. Yes. And you mentioned being in competition with others, not being in competition with others. Part of that is, is that, like not looking at others and saying, mm -hmm. oh, I have to speed up because they're doing their thing, so I should be right. too, or or anything like that, but really understanding. And so when I'm listening to you, I, I wrote down, give attention to yourself. Yes. Not in a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic kind of way. No. But in a mind, just being mindful and aware of what's going on. And and then I wrote down, interrogate yourself. Mm -hmm, Don't be mm -hmm. afraid to ask yourself these questions that you, you, you put out there. Am I feeling this way? What's going on with me? Am I tired? Am I, what's going on? Am I aligned with what I'm passionate about and what I feel called to yes. do? I don't Absolutely. know if we ask ourselves those questions. Yes. Right? And, and I think yep. it, it plays into the whole idea of wellness and mental health uh, as we get deeper in this conversation because we can be moving so fast mm -hmm. that we're not well and we, we ask the questions or someone asks us the questions oftentimes too late. Right. And we got to play catch up. Exactly. Right. And then you said, yeah. listen and see all these things I'm doing when I'm running. I'm yes. checking in. Okay. How am I feeling? Do I need some water? Do mm -hmm. I need to slow down? That's right. right. Uh, how's my knee? What's, what's my gait like? Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. I have to shift my gait. I had to relearn how to run. And if mm -hmm. I'm running in a, in a, in a way that's going to be painful on my knees, I need to make those adjustments, right? Check That's in with right. myself. I need That's to listen right. to my body. You, you said listen and listen to the people asking you questions, but also listen to those sensations in your body, not just the Absolutely. thoughts you're having. No. no, notice the sensations. I notice when I, when I notice my feet on the ground, like it's an intentional practice to just pause mm -hmm. and notice because you can just be going on adrenaline yeah. and not allow your body to come to a rested state where it tells the truth, mm. right? Hold, rest, stop, stop, the, the, stop, <laughs> stop. Come on, I'm, I'm telling you. Stop. Like, 
a and, rested place so yeah. that your body, so that you could hear it tell the truth. Yes. Yes. That's for me. That's how that, you, you see what I'm saying? That's y'all don't, that see, y'all don't see my face. Y'all don't see my face right now. That's 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 it right mm. there. Because you could be going like you can train, maybe even not by choice, but your body can become familiar with survival responses yes. that you think this is how. Is normally supposed to function. Yes. You don't even know that. Let me tell you something. My brother, one of my brothers passed away from cancer Mm. and he shared with me before he was. Little pause right here in the technology. We're going to see if we can get her back. Okay. Sorry about the technical difficulties. Continue, Shonda. No worries. No worries. You were saying your brother. Yes, yes, yes. So my brother, he uh, has has gone on to glory. My, my brother passed away and um, he passed away from cancer. And what I learned from him in that time, he shared that before he was diagnosed with cancer, um, he had pains in his body, but he was a trained athlete. So he was trained to ignore those pains. And it was like default for him. Like, it was like, I can persist. I can move through this. And I think in life, like my brother, I'll just speak for myself. There's so much that just like, you could just move through this and go, but no, sometimes it's in the pausing and the rest that you kind of get to to say like, this is, this is actually not normal. Something is off. Right. And so he encouraged me um, in, in that time of, of, of him preparing to transition to notice your body, show love to your body by pausing and honoring and listening to your body when it's speaking to you, because it will speak to you. And we know this, we, we, we know that you can know this if, if you, if you make space to, to know it. When I slow down and I, and I begin to notice you, if you don't drink water, your body will tell you you're dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Right. You start to get headaches. You start to make even vision get blurry. There's a shift in your overall function. Recording in progress. And so for my brother to share with me that prior to his diagnosis of cancer, that his body was speaking to him and telling him something was off. But he had learned to move through that pain. And so in the work that I do, I make room for the pain. I make room for the body, the voice of within us to say, hey, something, something's off here. And sometimes I may miss it. I am imperfect, right? I may miss it, but that is my aim. And that is what I, I want to offer to folks. And, and then to do so without judgment, right? Because I think that sometimes we can judge and that can create shame and that creates a barrier to being well, to, um, to, to being honest. So in, in all of the listening, to listen without judgment, 
but with options, right? So I'm not judging, oh, I didn't drink enough water today. It's like, I'm listening and there's an option to drink water now, to make tomorrow, to make sure I'm taking enough water, mm-hmm, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not listening without judgment if I'm if I haven't had enough hours of sleep in a week. I don't listen and say, you know, how horrible I am because I didn't prioritize sleep that week. But instead to listen, here's information, here's an opportunity to shift. Okay, so tonight, let me increase the hours of sleep. And so I think that's important too in the work that I do is to not, um, to suspend judgment judgment and replace that with opportunity for it to be different, right? Opportunity and to be generous with ourselves with those opportunities. Um, And in doing that, I feel that it becomes a part of who I am. It's integrated in who I am. So it comes out in my work. It comes out in who I am as a supervisor, making space for my team to rest. Um, While also, you know, um, it's rigorous, the work, and and we do that too, it's both and. so yeah, being generous with starts with me and then there's an overflow to everyone else in my life, right? It, it starts, it starts with me. So, um, so yeah, that's what, that's what I'll share about that. Mm. You know, I, I, I wrote something, I don't know if I posted on social media or wrote a blog, but I talked about for me to your point, I've, I learned as an athlete how to play through pain and injury. And I, I broadened that, I expanded that, and I said, as African-Americans, we've learned as a group to play through pain and injury. Yes. And as you Come said, on. it becomes normalized. Yes. This is just and what you do. it is not normal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now go back to what you said earlier about listening to people around you who notice things. That's like the coach or the trainer that says, no, I can't put you back in. Because you're injured and we need you down the road. So we need you to sit this game out to get well. Come on. There's more, there are more games to play. That's it. Right. That's it. And and, and, and when you're in survival mode, you don't, you you don't, you, you don't believe that you have the, 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 you can afford to think about more games to play. Like Mm -hmm. this is the only game today that's, that, that needs to be played when you're in survival mode. When you're desperate all the time. You don't have this eternal perspective, right? And that lives within my faith, right? And and for those who maybe don't identify with the faith, but there is having this eternal perspective, right? This eternal perspective, not just like now, but I must rest. It It becomes less of, I should take a nap. I must take a nap. I must drink water. I must ask for help. Whatever that thing is that is um, coming up for you when you pause and notice your feet on the ground and listen to your body make space. It's almost like putting your feet and turning down the music, Mm. right? Of life and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all that's happening around you and just turning it down so you could hear, hear that voice within to just say enough. Yeah, yeah. Sit down or call a friend or sometimes, sometimes, Feel it's celebrate your wins mm. right? because sometimes we I'll, I'll, I'll just speak for myself <laughs> sometimes it's like the next thing the next thing because I, I am very ambitious yeah, 
Yeah. I, I am a visionary. I see things not just now, but down the road. I, what the work that I'm doing is not just for today. I want to create legacy. I want to create yes. opportunities yes. For, we- for, for wealth, for healing, for life, for abundance, 20, 50, 100 years from now. Like that's where my, my, my focus is. My perspective is that way. But because, because of that and because of that, um, sometimes I don't celebrate my wins. Like it's, and that matters. Like that matters to pause and to take inventory and to hold gratitude for what contributions I've made to life, to the people around me, to acknowledge the work that went into that. And sometimes that can give me permission to say, that was a lot. It makes sense that I'm this tired Mm -hmm. or it makes sense that whatever the thing is. And so I think sometimes too, um, it's important to celebrate the wins, to to pause, notice your feet on the ground and to make space to celebrate the wins, to celebrate the accomplishment, to celebrate what, what, what I poured into. Like that matters. And then in that, there's maybe more creativity. There's maybe new insights, right? Instead of just mindlessly just going to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So that's a part of wellness um, that I seek to promote, that I um, sort of center in the work that I do with clients and with communities um, as well as rest. And and, and I know you you would say this. And then notice the sensations in your body when you celebrate the wins. That's right. That's because, the resilient. Because you right? want you you now you want to practice normalizing those sensations That's in right. your body as well, right? Right. So yeah, create pathways yeah. in the brain yeah. for that to be the default, yep. right? And how did you get there? And and that hopefully, how did you get there? Includes moments of rest. Like you can rest and still arrive. Yeah. 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 Right. Yep. So. I know you're a woman of faith. Uh, you 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 love the Lord. You you um, yes. you've you've blessed our my ministry on your faith when we were going, um, sharing with the ladies. How do you tell us how have you intersected or integrated your faith in your work as it relates to wellness and any time you've had to deal with someone struggling with mental mental health, mental health issues. How have you been able, how has your faith aided in what you do? Because I asked that question because, you know, and I'm pretty critical of the church. I'm critical of the church because I know the power that the church can potentially have. Yes. Right? Not my mm-hmm. church, not any particular man's church. No. Jesus' church. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I know the power, the ideal power that the, the, the church can potentially have. And I, I don't think that we tap into that for, for many reasons. But what, what we don't deal with some issues, issues that yeah. people are dealing with every day. The church seems to be silent, um, impotent in, mm-hmm. in, in trying to address it. So how do you, because you don't, I know you don't compartmentalize your faith. No, it just, that's it. It, it, it permeates mm-hmm. your being and comes out, flows out in every aspect of your life. How do you intersect that? How do you integrate that in the work that you do as it relates to wellness, especially when the church is not really talking about it on Sundays or Bible studies or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And, and, and I, and I want to, I will answer that question, but I want to thank you because in, um, you know, being a member of your church and, 
in, in, in our church, in the, uh, the church community, you did center health and wellness, right? So it can be done. It can be like, done. And, and I knew that I was just searching for where is that happening? And then I found on your faith, right? And so um, I want to just thank you for that because that's a choice. Thank that's you. a choice point. Mm-hmm. That's a choice point. And, 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 it's, and it's vital. It is necessary. Um, so the ways that I do it, I, I, I will not take all the credit. I, as a woman of faith, I believe the Holy Spirit has created spaces mm-hmm. where I am welcomed you know, I have a license. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I have that degree. I have that title. I have those credentials and I'm a woman of faith. So wherever I am, my faith is with me. And so I'm able to access spaces um, within the church where there's a, maybe there's a trust, like, okay, I have the clinical piece and there is a knowledge of my faith that I'm not I'm not shying away from my faith. And so I've had opportunity to address church hurt, to address sexual trauma within the church. I've had an opportunity to address um, financial health within the church and how that brings about stress and anxiety. I've had an opportunity to talk about movement um, where when we talk about practices like yoga, um, some folks will say, don't talk about yoga here. (laughs) Talk about it as a practice movement and, and moving the body and honoring the temple, like that matters here. Like, like that lives here too. And the, and just the principles of caring well and doing no harm to our bodies, like have an opportunity to share that. Um, I believe it's through the, the, the aid of the Holy spirit, the relationships that I've had, the trust where people have said, okay, you can come in and sort of step back to say like, what's about to happen. And what's happened is they've experienced the goodness of integrating these practices, these wellness practices, naming mental health issues what they are. I love the Lord all day and I get anxious. Yes. (laughs) And I'm not the first one. Like in the Bible, it talks about being anxious for nothing. Like anxiety is named. Yes. (laughs) Hallelujah. Like it's named. Like it's not a new thing I'm introducing. Like this has been here. When we think about Elijah, like he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed and going through it. And the Lord was like, uh, here, eat, Mm. drink, Mm. and rest. Mm. So I'm not like making this up. Like it's right there. But those who have eyes to see will see it. Yeah. Like the Lord is calling us to health and wellness practices. We have a Sabbath day in my in my faith. Sabbath rest day. The Lord prioritized that day, a day of rest. So it's not counter to my faith to promote what God has already set and centered as a priority. And built it's into creation. Built in built into creation. Right. So I I I get excited about that because I remember when I was um, working on my master's degree and a close friend of mine, um, Nayora uh, Higgs, we talked about and we dreamed up like we are both women of, of faith. And we said, you know, what we're going to do with our degree. We're going to go into the church and we're going to have a mental health center in there because there's prayer works and also CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes and medication yes and you know a, a coordinated care plan to look at wh- what are you eating that's impacting your uh 
inflammatory markers and causing that anxiety like that that is information and i praise god that it's all there accessible to us mm-hmm. and the lord says seek wisdom and i believe that there's wisdom in centering health and wellness in the work for the eternal perspective not just for the here and now not just for the here and now and 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 so yeah i uh, the question is like how do i integrate it i um i show up I show up as I am and, and I, I speak to it. I'm not, I'm not an expert, um, on, uh, theology, but I love the word. My faith is center of my life, my foundation. I trust God and, and, and I see it in the word. Like I, um, and I have, and I have a skill set that I believe is a part of the ministry that God has called me to and equip me for. And so I could see it. I could see it working with survivors of sexual trauma, right? And and having a space to talk about it with a faith perspective to it. Right? And it, yeah, there's there's so much there. There there's so much there. Um I appreciate the question. So so what I'm hearing, I'm going to use this phrase. I've never used it. I don't know if it's coined by someone else or I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's going to make sense but I hear a mutual framing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You, you frame your, 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 you use your work, the context of your work to frame how your faith will, will, will be expressed. How, yes. how that scripture, like you just shared, you know, Elijah, the Lord said, rest, eat and drink. So yes. you're using, you're using your work, the, the context of wellness to frame that text. Right? Absolutely. But you're Absolutely. also doing the opposite, too. You're, you're yes. using you're bringing what you do, the practices that you do, and you're you allowing the, your theology and scripture to frame that as well. So there's a mutual framing uh, that's going or a circular framing that's going on with, with both sides. That's, that's so when you when you show up, mm-hmm. you don't have to shy away from either one. No, allowing, both are true. Both are true. They're in conversation with each other. Yes. So that's yes. that. That's it. That that's, that's it. That's the nutshell. How do we integrate our faith into well? Allow them to be in conversation with each other and and not perpetuate the binary that divides and separates. Exactly. It's, it's either this or that. This is good. No. This is evil. And, and no. we, we need to we need to kill that. And it doesn't threaten the faith. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. And, 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 and that is my belief. It does not. It actually strengthens for me, my faith. Right. And so, um, yeah, there, there's so much there. There's so much opportunity there. You know, when people are going through, um, trials and difficulties, I know in the community I was raised in the church was, like the the pillar, mm-hmm. like folks went to the church, whether they lost a family member, they got a diagnosis of some terminal illness. They, if they, if they came into lots of money, whatever it was, they were going to the church. And so why not, if you want a million dollars, be able to go to the church and have a talk on financial management, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a part of health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, why not um, for folks who serve in the church and, you know, every day is in the church, why not have a conversation on time management so that families are not threatened because there's so much emphasis on this side. It's like, well, the pastor loved everybody but me and I'm their child. 
Mm. Right. And so having a conversation, not from judgment, but from a place of opportunity to live well, to live well. So that is that is incredibly important to me. And um, I just praise God for the folks who who have trusted um, this conversation, the way that you set that up, this framing. Um, uh, Dr. Dr. Lisa for Broken Mended uh, and Restored Ministries has made space for me to come in and to minister in this way. And it's been truly a blessing, the healing that has come forth. And folks who have gone in and, and had their, their medical evaluation to address their high blood pressure and continue to pray and, and worship both in. Yep. And they're better for it yep. today. Marriages where they've learned to communicate about overwhelming feelings and anxiety through art workshops that I've done within the ministry bringing in different tools to facilitate those meaningful discussions. And now it's like, I don't have the words, but I have a way of communicating what's coming up inside of me. And that made my relationship better. Mm. Right. And this is not something that's happening out in the community at an organization, this secular space. This is within the church. This is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful and it's necessary. That's awesome. You, you, you brought that scripture, be anxious for nothing. And um, I think oftentimes we, we present verses like that, and I may have been guilty in years past as well, but we present it more as a rebuke, a harsh commandment than an imperative, still an imperative, but more of an encouragement. Yes. Like, I'm you. telling you for your good, be yeah. anxious for nothing. Yeah. I'm not, Don't worry about it. I'm, yeah, I'm not <laughs> condemning you if That's you feel right. anxiety. I'm saying you don't have to be anxious and you certainly don't have to stay there. That's right. I I had a conversation. I love that. With um, a young lady that was in my ministry that I was leading years ago. And she was just hustling, grinding, working, working, working. And I said, I said, let me just remind you, uh, make sure you keep your Sabbath. Make Mm -hmm. sure you honor your Sabbath. And her first response was, well, God's not going to send me to hell because I missed my Sabbath. And I just looked at her like, so you absolutely have not been listening to anything I've preached in the last year. And I said, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders like I'm not going to argue with her. I said, but the Sabbath is for your benefit. That's right. This it's is, an invitation. It's, yeah, it's an invitation. It's not yeah. a a. a God's going to send you to hell because you don't keep the Sabbath. You're going to send yourself to a hell because you, you won't take care of yourself and it's going to feel that way. That's right. I'm not talking about the eternal hell. I'm talking about the no. feeling of you haven't yeah. worked yourself to death. Be exhausted. And she didn't get that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And because we presented every commandment, we've presented like this harsh, uh, almost a rebuke. If you don't do this, you're condemned to punishment. Yeah. And oftentimes, a lot of the, the commandments, they're, they're written in the imperative to do this. Yeah. But it's not, it, it's for the purpose of this is going to benefit you. Yes. I, yes. I want you to do this. You must do this. It benefits you. And we don't put an emphasis on that enough, That's I believe. Right. But you, right. you mentioned the arts. I, I want to transition there um, for, mm-hmm. for we have a little bit of time left. What role do the arts play in healing trauma for you and the work that you do? 
How have you integrated mm-hmm. that and how has it helped when people are dealing with trauma? Oh, oh my goodness. Um, the arts, first and foremost, uh, when we talk about art as a tool to foster healing, to cultivate spaces where healing can happen, can be experienced, it's not about being a trained artist, mm-hmm. right? It's about engaging with the materials, crayons, paint, whatever you have, a pen and a pencil and paper, um, movement, moving your fingers, moving your toes, that's a form of art, dance, um, music. These are tools that I believe um, have to do with equity, like folks can access it. Like if I'm just drumming on a bucket, that might help me to access the um, effective part of my brain. So the emotional part of my brain where I'm at ease and, 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 and I'm, I'm feeling good and, and healing. And even if it's for a moment, that helps to relieve some of the, the, the burden, some of the stress, some of the anxiety. And doing that as a practice over and over again, that f- creates greater margin for us. So I have had the privilege of uh, using art and working with an organization that I love, A Window Between Worlds, to bring art forth um, as a tool for healing in the lives of of folks who have experienced trauma, but even being proactive, not waiting for the trauma to happen, Mm. but being proactive, using it as a tool to foster wellness. And so um, I use, I, 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 bring music into spaces. I've worked with clients where they could not find the words to articulate the, the feelings connected to an experience that was traumatic, but there were songs that captured it for them or rhythms that, that captured the intensity of what they were feeling. And we just listened to it together. And there was this connection. We were in relationship I was witnessing the trauma. There was a validation that was happening. I've worked with folks who, um, there are no words. What we know about trauma is that you're in survival brain and it's not, you're not using your, you know, the prefrontal cortex is not online. And so it's all sensory. And so when we get into like the coloring and the painting, um, there's no words there and it doesn't need to be. Sometimes just putting splashes of red or blue on a canvas there's more communicated there than in one hour of talk therapy, right? And, and talk therapy is great. For me, I have a somatic-based approach that I use. So I really work with the body and art is a tool that helps me to really work with the body to foster healing. There's not a lot said sometimes in sessions with my clients or when I work with groups. Um, we may just do movement together and that's a form of art. Um, and it's through the movement. I've I've experienced it myself through movement, slowing down, where I just started to cry. And I'm like, what is happening right now? What was happening was a breaking, was an opening to lead me to the words that could describe what I was sensing. So I was crying and I'm noticing the tears and I'm noticing the space that's opening inside as the tears fall. Like I was flooded and the tears needed to get out to make room for me to feel like I'm not drowning anymore. And now I can speak. And then I can share about, you know, my mother or um, who I love dearly. I could share about friends that are gone that I miss. So 
the arts to me um, provide access, no matter where we're from, no matter identities, it provides this almost like equal access to healing, to uh, health and wellness. Um, and you don't have to be an artist. There's no right or wrong way. We say that within uh, the work at Windows. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do it. If you show up and you're just, you're, you're sitting there with the canvas and looking at it, like that's enough, right? To imagine it. And so the art, um, art is incredibly um, meaningful to my life. Um, my children through, throughout COVID, I would just get canvas and just have it available for them. They come into my office, grab canvas, grab paint, and just sit on the floor and create and create. And from that space, there would be joy that would follow. From that space, there would be this sense of accomplishment or just wanting to share and it would open up space to do more, right? And for some, um, it, can, it can help to hold the pain too. Maybe this transitional object, it can hold the story and be passed down. Like it could be a way of sharing um, what's on the inside that doesn't have words yet or ever, they may not ever have a word to it and that's okay. So so yeah, art is, is a, a huge part of the work that I do. Um, it, it's a tool that I use and I've seen and experienced firsthand in my own life, the benefit of art movement um, as a tool for healing and for promoting health and wellness um, from a proactive stance. That was amazing. That was amazing. I want to go draw something right now. I'm going to get you some <laughs> canvases. I'm going to get you some canvas and some paint and, and, and see what you do. Maybe that's not your jam. So uh, well, I, I have, I, I actually, I actually do what you, I draw, I sketch. Yes. I, I so practice sketching. Yeah. Yes. I have. A, and so when you, when you do it, what do you notice inside? Like, if you think about it now, like maybe you have to go there, you have to access it now. Right. Just imagine pen, a pencil pen to the paper, to the canvas. You know what? It would provide a safe space for me because yeah. I'm not trying to meet any standard. I'm yes. not trying to meet any deadlines. I don't have to finish it today. That's so right. It's such a safe space for me that whatever I'm dealing with, when I do sketch, I can make a mistake. It doesn't matter. Mm -mm. Um, I can... I can create, I can draw something like a face and it doesn't look the way I want it to look or the way someone else might think it should look. But maybe I was trying to convey something that I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of in the, in the, in the piece, right? So it, it provides this safe space with no stress and pressure. And, I love that. And, and I can sense my, my body if I am stressed. And sometimes I'm not stressed, it's fostering yeah. wellness. But even then That's I can right. still feel a sense of settling. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and you can explore, yep. like art also creates a space to just explore what is without judgment, yep. just to be yep. and, and, and to sort of like, whoa, you know, I've been in, in a, and thank you for sharing that too, by the way, what came up for me is where you just get lost in it mm -hmm. and you're just there. And then afterwards, you're just like, I don't even know what this is. And it doesn't matter. This is what it is. It is what it right? is. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You, you had some stuff sort of kick up for me too, yeah. as you were sharing. And you know, of course, you know, my poetry, uh, that's my go-to whenever I, that's the art that mm. I go to. Um, I'm going to, I want to give you a couple of minutes, just last words. One, one take home for 
um, for the listeners, for those who may be hurting, and and, and, and we start with what else is true. If you had a take home for them before you before we signed off, what would you share? When we talk about uh, trauma, when we talk about uh, loss, uh, when we talk about difficulties, um, that is real. That is real. The body experiences it. Um, people around you, you yourself, there's impact. That is real. What is also real and true is that there, there is healing. There is um, opportunity to lean into experiences that over time or even immediately can foster joy, can expand our margin. Um, wellness as a practice is exactly that. It's a practice. It's not um, perfect. It's a practice and giving ourselves permission. I think I would wanna, what I wanna leave with folks is to give yourself permission to lean into opportunities um, that are calling you to wellness, whether it be just staying in your car, listening to music before you walk in the house after work, whether it be um, taking you know, a trip to the store and buying a pack of crayons and just coloring at your desk, or whether it be planning a healthy meal just for today and then do it again the next day. Be gentle, be gentle on yourself. Um, be uh, in community with others because we're not, I don't believe we're meant to do life alone. And so sometimes our healing comes in the context of like social relationships. Know like three people that you can call when you need support that will check on you and it's a meaningful relationship. Lean into these opportunities to be well because you deserve it. You are worthy. You are worthy of wellness and, and, and healing. And so I just thank you for the opportunity, Phil, to, to share and um, just to do life alongside you, brother. It's, it's truly a blessing. And so thank you. Thank you for this space. Thank you. Thank you. And likewise, I, you know, I told you a couple of years ago, I'm going to find some way of having you minister, share, teach in our yeah. ministry. And as long as I have any, yeah. any type of platform, I'm sharing it with you. You already know that. You've kept uh, that word. You have kept that word. And I thank you. You are a life giver. You are a healer. You enter into spaces that way. And that's what you bring to the table. So I am grateful for your presence and your wisdom in this, uh, podcast episode for all that you shared you have affirmed things for me that I've been practicing for wellness and you have encouraged me to expand that and, and do 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 more so mm. thank you my list uh, not my listeners I hate saying my for, for things but those who are listening um, yes. I, I hope that this um, was rich for you as it was for me um, so thank you once again and uh, we'll, we'll, we will talk. I received soon. that blessing. Thank you for, for imparting that, that blessing. Thank you. Absolutely. You have a good night and we will talk soon. All right. I hope you were inspired by this conversation. I hope you learned something new in this conversation. And as always, thank you for listening and parking with me at the intersections.